Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Good morning, everybody. I know it's been said uh, prior to me, uh, but I just also would like to take a moment and just welcome everybody for being here. Thank you for being here this morning. Everybody on the top uh, balcony from one side of the auditorium all the way to the other uh, side to each and every single one of you. Thank you for being here and making the effort to be a part of our experience today. It's one of our initiatives to be here, and we just appreciate you doing that. Everybody on the other side of the camera, thank you for uh, being a part of this experience as well. And, and speaking of being on the other side of the camera, a few weeks ago I was in Colorado visiting my family and had an opportunity to, to watch online um, as well. I boarded a Southwest flight, and, uh, and as you know, Southwest, you know, a flight from here to Denver is very congested, and so I found myself in the B loading group, and I get in, I get myself situated, get my seatbelt on, everybody's doing the same thing, and just before the door closes, this grown man, grown man, runs into the airplane wearing a full Superman outfit, and, and he's late, and so he, he, he actually sits right in front of me in an exit row, uh, and, and so... Uh, everybody's ready to go. The stewardess comes up and very kindly, very put together. She just says, hey, sir, I'm going to need you to buckle your seatbelt. We're ready to depart. And, and as if he was ready for the question, he immediately looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Well, the stewardess kind of, you know, she kind of found something within her. She says, oh, yeah, Superman don't need no airplane. Buckle up. I'm just saying, it's not my story. I heard another pastor share it, and I thought, I'm going to share that one. But y'all want to know, y'all want to know who Superman was? Can you zoom in on that and just make sure they know? Can you believe this? Can you believe that? He's always putting pictures up of me. My turn to get him back. Speaking of a reality check, every once in a while, uh, maybe, maybe in the next couple of days or so, as you're transitioning from the shower to getting dressed, maybe do one of these in a full-size mirror, and you will have a different kind of reality check. <laughs> the older you get, the longer the stare stays. Um, but, but in all seriousness, this, this is kind of like what, what it looks like as you get older. You find yourself looking into a mirror, and, 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 uh, and you, sure, you look at what's changed, you look at the, the hairline that is now receding, and you've got some bumps on your face, bumps growing on your neck, you've got black hairs becoming white, you just start to notice as I'm aging, things are changing, and there's really nothing I can do unless I want to spend millions of dollars to to kind of keep the things that I once liked. The older you get, you, you ask yourself this question, and you, you guys will agree, young adults, you, you, won't, you don't ask this question yet, but you ask yourself the question, what have I done with my life? As you get older, you, you look beyond the exterior and you start to look kind of at, at, you know, retrospective, like look back, and what have I done with my life? The older you get, we ask that question, right? You ever do that? Sometimes you, you just kind of, you know, stuck in a traffic jam, stuck on the toilet, whatever. You're just like, what have I done with my life? But a question that I think everybody's asking, everybody in this room for sure, I think everybody outside of this room, I think this question, I think everybody really uh, is asking, 
this question right here. How do I make the most of my life? That's a question that I think everybody's asking. I'm asking that question. You know, you wonder why people transition from one job to another because they want to make the most of their life. They're not happy doing the things that they're doing. They're finding another place to, to see if there's a fulfillment um, in doing that. This is the question that we're going to answer today. How do I make the most of my life? And you're asking this question. And if you're, not, if you're not sure that you're asking this question, the way you live your life will tell you if you're really asking this question, jumping from one thing to the next. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Verses 1 through 6, that's what we're going to read this morning. A few things on that. If you don't have a Bible, you don't need to go buy one. We've done that for you. They're out on the tabletops in the, in the lobby. If you're up in the balcony, there's some tabletops up there. Please feel free to grab a Bible, take it home with yours, make it yours. Just make sure to grab the right translation. There's Spanish and there is English. Also, if you're wondering why we're standing up, it's just our thing here at Cedar Valley. We stand in reverence to his word. We won't do this after, uh, after we read through this primary text. But we all acknowledge that this is God's word without error, the final authority in our life. And that's why we stand. And just before I read, next week is the finale to this teaching series. And I think you want to be here. I think you need to figure it out. You need to get to the place where you realize what was Solomon's like final thought. What was his final statement? Please come next week and make sure to bring somebody with you. Let's read Ecclesiastes 9 verses 1 through 6. This too I carefully explored. Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone, whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonial clean or unclean, religious or irreligious. Good people receive the same treatment as sinners, and people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Already twisted by evil, people choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. There is hope only for the living, as they say. It's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the moment we have together today. In light of everything taking place in our world we just take a moment to thank you for the wonderful opportunity we have to gather together with other believers and worship your holy, holy name. Father, today, would you speak to us through your word? We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive and it is active. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, you would do a work in our hearts, a transformational work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and together. Everybody said Amen. You may be seated. When you think about the power couple in your life, and let's just for time frame purposes, I'm 40 years old. So let's just say when I was in high school, going into college, early 2000s, late 90s, who would you identify to be like? That was the couple. Like everyone wanted to be like them. I've got, I've got, I bet you I'm going to guess 
I've got three, and I guarantee you I've nailed it with two of them, everyone. So just think for a moment, just a quick moment, five seconds. Who was the couple growing up that you thought of as like, oh, I, if I could be half of them. I mean, they are just, they are everything I want to be and more, okay? I'm going to just, here's the first one. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, right? I mean, beautiful, hot FYI, and true story, my brother's wife went to youth with Brad Pitt. I'm just saying. Anyway, money, movies, fame, red carpet, paparazzi, everything Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Like, we all wanted to be Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie, right? If this was not you, then guaranteed, I guarantee it, this is you. Jay-Z and Beyonce. Oh, man, you talk about Stunning, beautiful, rich, fame, everywhere you go, paparazzis, autographs, I mean, jet planes, they don't pay for nothing. They own, I mean, he's still to this day, power couple. This is who we looked up to, right? Well, my, this is my third guess for all of you, but this is personally the couple that I looked up to the most. Screech and Lisa, everybody, Screech Powers and Lisa Turtle. I got 30 minutes, no, true story, 30 minutes a day of watching TV when I was a kid. I always used my 30 minutes on Saved by the Bell. And if for some reason it wasn't airing or it was a repeat, then I'd go to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But Screech Powers and Lisa Turtle, all y'all on that wing, y'all have no idea who this is. Don't even worry about it. That's who I think of. In light of who Solomon was, none of these three can even come close. Matter of fact, here's, here's maybe how we could get to Solomon. Einstein plus Vin Diesel, which is funny. The other day I was in the Mall of America and someone asked me, hey, Vin, can I have your autograph? I signed that bad boy and kept on my way. <laughs> Einstein, Vin Diesel, Mr. Tesla times about a quadrillion trillion, and maybe you've got Solomon. I mean, Solomon, it's just important that we understand who Solomon was. Solomon was all that in a bag of chips. Off the chain, richest, most handsome, wisest, powerhouse. Solomon was that guy. Now that we have a pretty clear understanding of who Solomon is, uh, by the way, 1,063 wives, orchards, built the temple, uh, peacocks, right, horses, buildings, homes, major status, nobody could touch Solomon. But there's something in this chapter that we see that Solomon is actually raging against death. He's raging against death. He's having this thought as he looks into the mirror and he's caught in a gaze. He's looking in the mirror and he's, and he's just having the thought of like, how in the world am I going to die? I'm, I'm the wealthiest, I'm the most powerful, yet death is knocking at my door and it is causing him some serious turmoil. Like I'm going to die. My legacy is down to nothing. In light of my coming death, everything I've done is absolutely meaningless. Solomon is faced with this meaning of life. And let's just say for a moment, I know this isn't you, but let's just say for a moment that you lived your life in a way where it was all about you. 
like the whole world rotated around you. Like everywhere you went, you made sure people know life is all about me. And then you get to the end of your life and you realize, oh my gosh, I've missed it. Solomon is raging against death. He's looking at himself in the mirror and he's realizing this dude that had everything, all the money, all the ladies, all the materials, everything he ever desired, yet his body is beginning to like fall apart. I'm not going to steal any of the thunder of next week's message, but just so you know, the legs that once kept Solomon up, them nice legs, thick, muscled thighs, quads, sorry, calves, popping, right? Just Samson. They can't even hold him up anymore. Samson, 1,063 wives, can't experience sexual pleasure anymore. Solomon needs someone to feed him, someone to clean him, someone to bathe him. And he is looking death in the face and it is upsetting him. His money has failed him. You can't buy him more time. It can't take him back into time and allow him another restart. His health is failing him. Your money will also fail you at some point and your health will also fail you uh, at some point. As well, If Solomon was here in 2022, he'd probably say, oh, about the American dream? Yeah, go ahead, chase it. Chase it. Go get it. Go live for yourself. Go do everything that, you're, that you could possibly desire. Go. Go live out the American dream, just like I did. Of course, he wasn't in America at the time. But if he was here today, he would say, go live out the American dream. And you yourself, you will experience exactly what I'm experiencing today. I missed it. I'm, I absolutely, I missed it. It was a scam. This idea of pursuing uh, my own self, my own way, my own course, it brought me absolutely nothing. It was a worthless pursuit. We've learned that over the last several weeks. We've learned that Solomon's pursuit uh, of things, materials, it was a worthless pursuit. It didn't give him anything that he was looking for. Solomon would say today, and you can read beyond uh, verse 6, where Solomon would say, if you choose to live within the walls of contentment, if you actually want to live your life out for God, then listen, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Splash on the cologne. Go out to eat. Just make an impact in other people's lives, but live within the walls of contentment. That's what Solomon would say if he was here today. He would say, just don't lose sight of other people. Just make a difference in other people's lives. Live for a greater mission. Live for a bigger purpose. Don't look in the mirror all day long and just think, what else can I do for you? What else can I do for you? What else do you want? What can I do for you? Is there anything else you want? He would say, no, don't, don't. maybe look through a window and say, what can I do for you? What, 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 is there something that I could do to help your life, to make an impact on your life? We're going to take a few minutes and, and look at life through the lens of Solomon in this passage. And then we're going to take some time and look at life in the lens of Jesus. Like, what would Jesus say about making the most of our life? And I'm going to try to go as quick as I can because I want to reserve some time for some, for some response at the end. We have, we have a special song that we're going to sing together. And I think it just helps us kind of put this whole Sunday together. And so we're going to do that. I'll let you know when we transition into going through Jesus's uh, lens. So let's look into our passage, verse 2. Solomon saying, the same destiny ultimately awaits everyone. When he says destiny, he means death. Death, the great equalizer, will come for everybody. 
Solomon acknowledges death will come to everybody, whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you're religious, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter the color of skin. doesn't matter the language you speak. Death is the great equalizer and it will come to any, to, to everybody. I had the thought as I was studying, what did Solomon know about death or maybe life after death in context as he's writing this? What, what did Solomon know? The book of Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And it gets dark when you start thinking about Job and old and mirrors and stuff like that, right? Anyway, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And so the book of Job had been written and now, now transmitted through generation to generation to generation. Jo- Solomon likely had access to the book of Job. He probably read the book of Job. He probably was taught the book of Job. By the way, Solomon's father is King David. Neil transitioned us in worship with a psalm from King David. This is Solomon's father. Solomon had great instruction, great teaching at this point in his life. He, let me just pull out one passage from the book of Job that Solomon surely had access to. This is what it says. Job, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, death, he will stand on the earth. Solomon knew through Job's supernatural faith. There there was no death. There was no suffering death and resurrection of Jesus at this time. So Job maybe outside of himself is already kind of painting a picture of a coming redeemer, a Messiah. You see that here with my redeemer. Remember the old song? And I know my redeemer lives. I know my redeemer lives. Let all creation testify. He probably sung this in church. It was already written. My redeemer lives. Solomon knew like my redeemer lives. Just it's important that we understand what, what, what Solomon knew and it'll help us identify why he is so plagued with pain and regret. He goes on to say, and after my skin has been destroyed, death, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my very own eyes. It's amazing to me how Job seemed to have this sense that his own personal tragedy, as you know, Job's story of, 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 of suffering and pain and loss and grief is there for us to all read. I, I just, it's amazing how Job seemed to have that sense that, that his own tragedy and drama would indeed be written and inscribed in a book that for many generations, countless generations, would benefit from his writing, Solomon being one of those. Again, Solomon is having this face-to-face with God. And he's looking beyond the exterior of his body and he's looking into the heart, the soul within him. And he is just plagued with this idea that I've wasted my life. Solomon knew this stuff. He was taught this. His dad is King David. Probably even read through this, taught in Sunday school. I know they didn't have Sunday school maybe then, but if they did, this would have been the story of stories in Sunday school. You know, something to keep in mind is you and I will also have a face-to-face as well. 
where you will also reflect at how you went about living your life. By the way, I meant to do this at the beginning. This message today is dedicated to every person, whether in this room or outside of this room or watching on camera, who once went to church, raised in church, and then went your own way. I want you to know God sees you. God loves you. God's pursuing you. Someone in this room is probably praying for your soul. This message is for every single church kid, grew up in church and found their own way. May God find you wherever you are today, stop you right in your tracks and bring you to a place of repentance. Solomon ultimately gets to this conclusion. God's way is different than my way. He has this amazing revelation. God's way is much better than my way. Maybe you've already arrived at this juncture as well. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm, I'm definitely not living God's way. I'm definitely out about myself. There's this thing out in culture today that says, I'm going to go do me. I'm going to go do me. It's about me. I've paid attention to everybody else for so long. I'm about to go do me. You can do that. Solomon is a perfect example of what happens when you go about doing that. Let's continue. Verse 3. It seems so wrong that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. Fate meaning death. Under the sun meaning life without God. And sure, when you live your life in just the lateral, under the sun thinking, life without God thinking, all your thoughts make sense. That's why every once in a while you say something to a, a believer, you say something to your mama and you know she loves Jesus and she talks to Jesus and you say something to her and she looks at you like, that's because in your perspective, it makes sense, but it really doesn't make sense. For a long time, what Solomon was thinking and how Solomon went about living his life made a lot of sense to him. He didn't realize how off the wall he was actually thinking. Maybe that's what's angering him, is that he actually realizes, man, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I don't understand this thing about death. It continues already twisted by evil. People choose their own mad course. I highlighted mad because I said, no, 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 Solomon. Not everybody chooses their own mad course. You chose your own mad course. That's why you're so upset. You chose your own mad course. Your daddy was King David. I'm sure he taught you well. You had access to all this good stuff. You sat in Sunday school classes. That's why this message is dedicated to the church kids. Because maybe you find yourself upset. Like, how in the world did I go this way? I kind of knew better. Solomon's talking about himself. I went my, my own mad course, for they have no hope. Oh, there's hope. But when you live in the lateral, there is no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. Solomon made this choice. I'm going to live for myself. There was a show when I was in high school that I was never allowed to watch. It was called Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> Probably a good call from my dad. So, but today, here's what I'll say is church kids gone wild. Because when church kids go off, they like go way off. Some of you used to be a church kid gone wild and you made your way back and you would hate to ever share some of the things you did while you were away. Church kids gone wild. Solomon, church kid gone wild. And boy, was he wild. Solomon disobeyed God. God told him, don't, don't 
and he did. King Solomon disobeyed his father. King Solomon murdered his half-brother. King Solomon uh, indulged in sexual perversion, chased his pleasure. Solomon lived for himself. Ask yourself the question, am I living for myself or am I living for God? We continue. There's hope only for the living. Today we're talking about the irony of life and death. Life and death. There's hope only for the living, as they say, whoever says this. It's, been, it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion. But in context, the dogs were despised in those days. And the lions were like looked at as like, like nobility and strength, right? He's saying, I'd rather be despised and living air in my lungs than dead and used to be strong. He realizes that he's now going to be passing on this legacy to his son. The living at least know there will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. He's passing on this, this great accumulation to his son Rehoboam. And listen, he knows when I give all this to him, he's going to squander it. He turned out to be just like his dad. And you know what? Within one generation, he lost almost all of it. Could this be what plagues Solomon as he asks himself the question, how do I make the most of my life? What did I do with my life? He's not looking at the bumps on his face anymore or the pimples on his face or the white hairs. He's looking way beyond that and he is pain filled with regret of a misused life. That's man's worldview. This is looking at life from man's perspective. Last verse, and then we're going to move on. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. They no longer, death, they no longer play a part in anything here on earth. I think you get the point. Ecclesiastes, this book is all about grabbing smoke, chasing wind, living life to the fullest, living life without God. So get, let me give you this full disclosure. I'm actually going to read this to you. I wrote this so that way we, this is going to be our transition into now what would Jesus say about making the most in our life. But I want to read you this disclosure that I wrote for you. It says this, I am the last guy in this room to give you a churchy response to a real pain situation. I know this about life because I'm actually living through it myself. And because I work with people for a living, I know this to be true. People are living through very hard situations. People in this room are living through very hard and difficult situations. The grip of depression, the grip of anxiety, the grip of anger. Listen, nobody in this room is avoiding the reality of those things. There is a reason why suicide, even suicide within the church, even suicide amongst pastors, there's a reason why those things are prevalent. Isolation, self-harm, sorrow, these things are prevalent in the church. And it's not God's plan for any of us to stay in that state. I thank God for my therapist who have helped me 
from taking revenge into my own hands and have kept me from going into full-blown crazy mode. I thank God for my pastoral team. I thank God for my real friends who love me and want to see me well. I thank God for everyday heroes that call themselves counselors and therapists who lean into the messy, to the broken, to the hurting, the mentally sick. They jump into the hole with them and they grieve with them. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself is not afraid to have this discussion with you, to jump into the hole with you and to guide you to a place of healing. Just last week, Pastor and I were recording a podcast. Keep an eye out for a podcast that we will be sending to uh, make it available for people. And Neil shares this moment of anguish in his life when he raised a fist to God out of anger. He was soothing to me knowing I've done the same thing. And I know that there's people in this room who have also been filled with anger, anguish, turmoil, sadness, sorrow, suicidal ideation. You've been filled with something and you've raised your fist at God out of confusion, out of, out of frustration. God sees you. God knows you. He loves you. He loves you. Listen, if we could help connect you to a specialist, a professional, to help you get through your situation... I'm not going to say, just go home and trust Jesus. No, get connected to someone. They will help you. We would love to help connect you to that. So let's listen closely to what Jesus himself teaches about the solution, his response to making the most of our life. So in the book of Mark, we see Jesus do these. So he does these three things. He, he first talks about and he predicts his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. He also clears up some confusion that the disciples are having with this very question. And then he teaches us about discipleship. And he does so in three chapters. We'll look at each one of those. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says, if any of you wants to be my follower, question, does anybody want to be a follower of Jesus Christ this morning? Listen, you know that there are two courses. Maybe you heard it and you say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a, a Christian. I want to align my life with, with, with him. That's what I want. Okay, if you want to do that, here's how you do it. You must give up your own way. You must give up your own way, your own course. Solomon said, my own mad course. You've got to be willing to give up your way if you want to be a follower. Pick up your cross and follow me. Listen, cross. I know it can sound churchy like, oh, pick up your cross and follow me. No, listen, disciples, they would have known that this cross thing wasn't brand new to them. This was for a long time used as a way of death. They, they knew what the cross meant. As a matter of fact, they knew the cross is a one-way street. The cross is a one-way street, one-way path to death. Jesus was also letting the disciples know, by the way, this is how you would all die, by the cross. And follow me. Jesus is saying, if you're here today and you want to follow me, you want to be a follower of Christ, you want to lean into what God has for you, then you're going to have to be willing to give up your own way. Second thing he says, after some confusion, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to do a little bit of me and a little bit of him, if you try to somehow mix up the recipe of this thing, you will lose it. It's an all in kind of thing, right? It's I'm all in. But if you give up your life for my sake, if you give up your course, if you give up your desires, if you give up what's in your heart, 
for his sake and for the sake of the good news, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of a bigger purpose. If you want to live for a bigger purpose, then you'll actually save your life. Then we go to this, and this is funny because after Jesus just taught that, now the disciples are asking themselves this question because they're boneheads. They're asking themselves, hey, amongst us 12, who do you think is like the greatest? Like if we were to rank ourselves one through 12, how do you think that kind of flow out? By the way, thinking of rankings, go St. Peter's, right? St. Peter's 15 seed. How would you guys, and so the disciples are having this question, like how would you rank us? How, well, I don't know. And Jesus is like, are you guys kidding me? Ranking you, this is his response. Whoever wants to be first, if you want to be first, then you must take last place. If you want to be ranked one, if you want to be the best, then you've got to be willing to actually be last place. And then he says to those who say, I'm a follower of Christ, it'll be different among you. It will be different among you. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. This upside down kingdom. It's an upside down kingdom. It's completely different from the world's worldview, from, from man's worldview. It's, it's completely different. The way, the way of Christ is so different than the way of man. It's an upside down kingdom. You want to be great? Then become a servant of all. Jesus declared that true greatness is not shown by how many serve you. No, true greatness is actually demonstrated by how many you actually go out and serve. That's what really matters. That's really good leadership. It's the opposite of what man would say. So back to our question, how do I make the most of my life? How do I make the most of my life? Jesus said to himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So we're going to do this. We're going to live as he lived. We're going to serve as he served, and we're going to love as he loved. If you're in this room today, you're breathing, you still have amazing opportunity to actually begin to live. To live. You hear me, but you're not living. Like, yeah, I know there's breath in your lungs, but you're not living. There's an opportunity for you to live. Jesus is the opportunity for you to live. If you missed out on the whole message and we had to put it into one sentence, it would be this. Life isn't about winning. Life is about living. Living God's plan for your life. Pursuing the things that God has for you. That's when you can actually have a face-to-face -face with God and say, God, I did every single thing in my power to honor you with every single thing you gave to me. If you really want to live your life to the fullest, give it all to him. That's when you're really living. So I'm going to pray. Our big no, no what is, it's an obvious one. It's this, face to face. It's face to face. Face to face. Me and you, God. How do I make the most of my life? How do I make the most of my life? How do I make the most of my life? What can I possibly do different? 
Church kids gone wild. If you're here for just some weird reason, I'm glad you're here. It might be time to lay down the course of your life and pick up the course that he has for you. And for the sake of time, as they sing this song, at any moment when you begin to feel God stirring in your heart to come face to face with him, the altars are wide open for you. Let me pray and then we'll get right into that song. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in hearts right now. Thank you, Jesus. You are the answer. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for all that you did. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, your suffering, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to come to you broken, distraught, filled with pain that we can be healed and we can still live the life that you intended for us to live. So God, over the course of the next four minutes, we surrender our hearts to you. Do whatever it is that you would do in our hearts right now. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray.